Unshackled of Pacific Garden Mission presents History's Greatest Sermons, where we share the personal history of godly men who brought forth the truth of the gospel in powerful sermons to a world long ago. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of one of history's greatest preachers and hearing their greatest sermons? Picture yourself on an old wooden pew in Charles Spurgeon's London Church or perched in a tree in the fields of a George Whitfield revival, or striding down the sawdust trail at a Billy Sunday prayer meeting. Whatever the scene, hearing these great sermons from the past will be as fitting to today's Christians as the day they were first preached. And now, here are your hosts, Tim Lundeen and Kelly Robbins. Good afternoon or good morning, Kelly, whichever it, it is. It is the time that it is. It is the time that it is. That's the fun <laughs> thing about not knowing exactly where this radio station is being, uh, this radio program is being heard. Exactly. Uh, but speaking of that. Yes. Uh, we occasionally put out requests for listener feedback or mm-hmm. listener questions. You can always send them to, um, what's that email again? Podcast at unshackled.org. And we actually uh, got uh, several. One of them is... Is history's greatest sermons broadcast on BBN out of Wakarusa, Indiana, from a listener named Diana? Mm-hmm. Now, the answer is we don't have specific information on what radio stations in what locations are airing history's greatest sermons. Okay. But this is the encouragement. Here's the good part. Uh, we, you can contact your local station directly. Yes. And you can ask them. And if their station isn't currently airing History's Greatest Sermons, it's the perfect opportunity to get them to air this program. Now, that being said, if our uh, good listener, Diana, does she hear this program on a different radio station? And she's asking for someone else because here I am answering her question. But if we're not on that station, how is she going to hear this answer? Online. That's right. Or (laughs) Oh, but phones. Yes. On the app. Yes, you're shaking your phone at me. <laughs> the Unshackled app. You can always listen to this program and all of our archived programs on the Unshackled app. Pull it up on your phone, download it, listen to all the great sermons that we've uh, talked about and enjoyed. And so the good news is, and, and I am a radio girl, so I, I adore radio, mm-hmm. but by going through the app, you can listen at any time when it's convenient for you. You can re-listen, you can back it up. Because like today, we're going to get into it in a minute. It's a little bit wordy. It's yes. It's toothy. Yes. And I would be one where I'd want to hear it more than once, just because it's it's dense like that. Good dense. But yes. Yeah. We thank you for your questions and feedback. Uh, and also, as a reminder to us, encourage you, if you've been enjoying uh, History's Greatest Sermons, send us a message. Check us out online, all the social media contacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing about listening to previous episodes. Sometimes we're introduced to a part two of something. Yeah. And you're going to want to go back and listen to part one. Yeah. But that's not this case today. Today, we are going to hear a sermon from someone we've, we've heard before, E.M. Bounds. His name is Edward McKendry Bounds. And last time we heard from him, we got a little bit more of a, a, a history of his background. I won't give you too much. He's a guy who, at the age of 14, he was basically orphaned, and he headed off to California mm-hmm. to do the gold rush thing. And it didn't pan out. <laughs> didn't, right, okay. Yeah. So that, that was then. Um, his main emphasis in a lot of his writings and his sermons has been prayer. Mm-hmm. Now we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so remember that. Hold okay. that in mind. Today's sermon is going to be about unction. Do you know what unction means? There is a toothy word. Yes. So let's come back to the word unction in just a second. Okay. Here, here is a word about words because there's words like benison, 
promulgated, convecticle, cordial, right. being cordial, right. aver, vitalized truth or famine, and uh, many others like that. Yes. And so unction goes in with that. I think there was an understanding at the time what most of these were because people talked in a different way at the time this sermon was given out. So there's Our, a beneficence about unction. Yes. You could argue they talked in a better way, but that's just me. I'm a it word was guy. deep and rich and full. And so you have to listen slow. Here is a quick online, I'm cheating by using my phone, definition of unction. Okay, this is what it says, noun. The act of anointing as part of a religious, ceremonial, or healing ritual, an ointment or oil. Mm -hmm. So the actual thing with mm -hmm. which one is anointed or something that serves to soothe, a balm. So here's the quote. I'm going to give it to you and you'll hear it again. Yes. But this way you get to hear it twice. Yes. One bright benison, which private prayer brings down upon the ministry, is an indescribable and inimitable something, an unction from the Holy One. Wow. Today's message is called Unction, and it's excerpted from a book, Power Through Prayer, by E.M. Bounds. Let's take a listen and hear what he has to say. Unction, a necessity. One bright benison which private prayer brings down upon the ministry is an indescribable and inimitable something, an unction from the Holy One. If the anointing which we bear come not from the Lord of hosts, we are deceivers, since only in prayer can we obtain it. Let us continue instant, constant, fervent in supplication. Let your fleece lie on the thrashing floor of supplication till it is wet with the dew of heaven. A quote from Charles Hayden Spurgeon. Alexander Knox a Christian philosopher of the days of Wesley, not an adherent, but a strong personal friend of Wesley, and with much spiritual sympathy with the Wesleyan movement, writes, It is strange and lamentable, but I verily believe the fact to be that except among Methodists and Methodistical clergymen, there is not much interesting preaching in England. The clergy, too generally, have absolutely lost the art. There is, I conceive, in the great laws of the moral world, a kind of secret understanding, like the affinities in chemistry, between rightly promulgated religious truth and the deepest feelings of the human mind. Where the one is duly exhibited, the other will respond. Did not our hearts burn within us? But to this devout feeling is indispensable in the speaker. Now, I am obliged to state from my own observation that this onction, as the French not unfitly term it, is beyond all comparison more likely to be found in England in a Methodist conventicle than in a parish church. This, and this alone, seems really to be that which fills the Methodist houses and thins the churches. I am, I verily think, no enthusiast. I am a most sincere and cordial churchman, a humble disciple of the school of Hale and Boyle, of Burnett and Leighton. Now I must aver that when I was in this country two years ago, I did not hear a single preacher who taught me like my own great masters, but such as are deemed Methodistical. And I now despair of getting an atom of heart instruction from any other quarter. The Methodist preachers, however I may not always approve of all their expressions, do most assuredly diffuse this true religion and undefiled. I felt real pleasure last Sunday. I can bear witness that the preacher did at once speak the words of truth and soberness. There was no eloquence 
The honest man never dreamed of such a thing, but there was far better, a cordial communication of vitalized truth. I say vitalized because what he declared to others, it was impossible not to feel he lived on himself. This unction is the art of preaching. The preacher who never had this unction never had the art of preaching. The preacher who lost this unction has lost the art of preaching. Whatever other arts he may have and retain, the art of sermon-making, the art of eloquence, the art of great clear thinking, the art of pleasing an audience, he has lost the divine art of preaching. This unction makes God's truth powerful and interesting, draws and attracts, edifies, convicts, saves. This unction vitalizes God's revealed truth, makes it living and life-giving. Even God's truth spoken without this unction is light, dead, and deadening. Though abounding in truth, though weighty with thought, though sparkling with rhetoric, though powerful by earnestness, without this divine unction, it issues in death and not in life. Mr. Spurgeon says, I wonder how long we might beat our brains before we could plainly put into word what is meant by preaching with unction. Yet he who preaches knows its presence, and he who hears soon detects its absence. Samaria, in famine, typifies a discourse without it. Jerusalem, with her feast of fat things full of marrow, may represent a sermon enriched with it. Everyone knows what the freshness of the morning is when orient pearls abound on every blade of grass, but who can describe it, much less produce it of itself? Such is the mystery of spiritual anointing. We know, but we cannot tell to others what it is. It is as easy as it is foolish to counterfeit it. Unction is a thing which you cannot manufacture, and its counterfeits are worse than worthless. Yet it is in itself priceless, and beyond measure needful if you would edify believers and bring sinners to Christ. Speak for eternity. Above all things, cultivate your own spirit. A word spoken by you when your conscience is clear and your heart full of God's spirit is worth ten thousand words spoken in unbelief and sin. Remember that God, and not man, must have the glory. If the veil of the world's machinery were lifted off, how much we would find is done in answer to the prayers of God's children. Robert Murray McShane Unction is that indefinable, indescribable something which an old renowned Scotch preacher describes thus. There is sometimes somewhat in preaching that cannot be ascribed either to matter or expression, and cannot be described what it is, or from whence it cometh, but with a sweet violence it pierceth into the heart and affections, and comes immediately from the word. But if there be any way to obtain such a thing, it is by the heavenly disposition of the speaker. We call it unction. It is this unction which makes the word of God quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is this unction which gives the words of the preacher such point, sharpness, and power, and which creates such friction and stir in many a dead congregation. The same truths have been told in the strictness of the letter. Smooth as human oil could make them, but no signs of life. Not a pulse throb, all as peaceful as the grave, and as dead. 
The same preacher in the meanwhile receives a baptism of this unction. The divine inflatus is on him. The letter of the word has been embellished and fired by this mysterious power, and the throbbings of life begin. Life which receives, or life which resists. The unction pervades and convicts the conscience and breaks the heart. This divine unction is the feature which separates and distinguishes true gospel preaching from all other methods of presenting the truth, and which creates a wide spiritual chasm between the preacher who has it and the one who has it not. It backs and imprains revealed truth with all the energy of God. Unction is simply putting God in his own word and on his own preachers. By mighty and great prayerfulness, and by continual prayerfulness, it is all potential and personal to the preacher. It inspires and clarifies his intellect, gives insight and grasp and projecting power. It gives to the preacher heart power, which is greater than head power, and tenderness, purity, force flow from the heart by it. Enlargement, freedom, fullness of thought, directness and simplicity of utterance are the fruits of this unction. Often, earnestness is mistaken for this unction. He who has the divine unction will be earnest in the very spiritual nature of things, but there may be a vast deal of earnestness without the least mixture of unction. Earnestness and unction look alike from some points of view. Earnestness may be readily and without detection substituted or mistaken for unction. It requires a spiritual eye and a spiritual taste to discriminate. Earnestness may be sincere, serious, ardent, and persevering. It goes at a thing with good will, pursues it with perseverance, and urges it with ardor, puts force in it. But all these forces do not rise higher than the mere human. The man is in it. The whole man, with all that he has of will and heart, of brain and genius, of planning and working and talking, he has set himself to some purpose which has mastered him, and he pursues to master it. There may be none of God in it. There may be little of God in it, because there is so much of the man in it. He may present pleas in advocacy of his earnest purpose, which please or touch and move or overwhelm with conviction of their importance, and in all this earnestness may move along earthly ways, being propelled by human forces only, its altar made by earthly hands and its fire kindled by earthly flames. It is said of a rather famous preacher of gifts, whose construction of Scripture was to his fancy or purpose that he grew very eloquent over his own exegesis. So men grow exceeding earnest over their own plans or movements. Earnestness may be selfishness simulated. What of unction? It is the indefinable in preaching which makes it preaching. It is that which distinguishes and separates preaching from all mere human addresses. It is the divine in preaching. It makes the preaching sharp to those who need sharpness. It distills as the dew to those who need to be refreshed. It is well described as a two-edged sword of heavenly temper keen, and double were the wounds it made wherever it glanced between. T'was death to sin, t'was life to all who mourned for sin. It kindled and its silent strife made war and peace within. This unction comes to the preacher not in the study, but in the closet. 
It is heaven's distillation in answer to prayer. It is the sweetest exhalation of the Holy Spirit. It impregnates, suffuses, softens, percolates, cuts, and soothes. It carries the word like dynamite, like salt, like sugar, makes the word a soother, an arranger, a revealer, a searcher, makes the hearer a culprit or a saint, makes him weep like a child and live like a giant, opens his heart and his purse as gently, yet as strongly as the spring opens the leaves. This unction is not the gift of genius. It is not found in the halls of learning. No eloquence can woo it. No industry can win it. No prelatical hands can confer it. It is the gift of God, the signet set to his own messengers. It is heaven's knighthood given to the chosen true and brave ones who have sought this anointed honor through many an hour of tearful, wrestling prayer. Earnestness is good and impressive. Genius is gifted and great. Thought kindles and inspires, but it takes a diviner endowment, a more powerful energy than earnestness or genius or thought to break the chains of sin, to win estranged and depraved hearts to God, to repair the breaches and restore the church to her old ways of purity and power. Nothing but this holy unction can do this. All the minister's efforts will be vanity, or worse than vanity if he have not unction. Unction must come down from heaven and spread a savor and feeling and relish over his ministry, and among the other means of qualifying himself for his office. The Bible must hold the first place, and the last also must be given to the word of God in prayer. A quote by Richard Cecil. In the Christian system, unction is the anointing of the Holy Ghost, separating unto God's work and qualifying for it. This unction is the one divine enablement by which the preacher accomplishes the peculiar and saving ends of preaching. Without this unction there are no true spiritual results accomplished. The results and forces in preaching do not rise above the results of unsanctified speech. Without unction, the former is as potent as the pulpit. This divine unction on the preacher generates through the Word of God the spiritual results that flow from the gospel. And without this unction, these results are not secured. Many pleasant impressions may be made, but these all fall far below the ends of gospel preaching. This unction may be simulated. There are many things that look like it. There are many results that resemble its effects. But they are foreign to its results and to its nature. The fervor or softness excited by a pathetic or emotional sermon may look like the movements of the divine unction, but they have no pungent, perpetrating, heart-breaking force. No heart-healing balm is there in these surface, sympathetic, emotional movements. They are not radical, neither sin-searching nor sin-curing. This divine unction is the one distinguishing feature that separates true gospel preaching from all other methods of presenting truth. It backs and interpenetrates the revealed truth with all the force of God, it illumines the word and broadens and enriches the intellect and empowers it to grasp and apprehend the word. It qualifies the preacher's heart and brings it to that condition of tenderness, of purity, of force and light that are necessary to secure the highest results. This unction gives to the preacher liberty and enlargement of thought and soul, a freedom, 
fullness, and directness of utterance that can be secured by no other process. Without this unction on the preacher, the gospel has no more power to propagate itself than any other system of truth. This is the seal of its divinity. Unction in the preacher puts God in the gospel. Without the unction, God is absent, and the gospel is left to the low and unsatisfactory forces that the ingenuity, interest, or talents of men can devise to enforce and project its doctrines. It is in this element that the pulpit oftener fails than in any other element. Just at this all-important point, it lapses. Learning it may have brilliancy, and eloquence may delight and charm. Sensation or less offensive methods may bring the populace in crowds. Mental power may impress and enforce truth with all its resources. But without this unction, each and all these will be as the fretful assault of the waters on a Gibraltar. Spray and foam may cover and spangle, but the rocks are there still, unimpressed and unimpressible. The human heart can no more be swept off its hardness and sin by these human forces than these rocks can be swept away by the ocean's ceaseless flow. This unction is the consecration force, and its presence the continuous test of that consecration. It is this divine anointing on the preacher that secures his consecration to God and his work. Other forces and motives may call him to the work, but this only is consecration. A separation to God's work by the power of the Holy Spirit is the only consecration recognized by God as legitimate. The unction, the divine unction, this heavenly anointing is what the pulpit needs and must have. This divine and heavenly oil put on it by the imposition of God's hand must soften and lubricate the whole man, heart, head, spirit, until it separates him with a mighty separation from all earthly, secular, worldly, selfish motives and aims, separating him to everything that is pure and godlike. It is the presence of this unction on the preacher that creates the stir and friction in many a congregation. The same truths have been told in the strictness of the letter, but no ruffle has been seen, no pain or pulsation felt. All is quiet as a graveyard. Another preacher comes, and this mysterious influence is on him. The letter of the word has been fired by the Spirit. The throes of a mighty movement are felt. It is the unction that pervades and stirs the conscience and breaks the heart. Unctionless preaching makes everything hard, dry, acrid, dead. This unction is not a memory or an era of the past only. It is a present, realized, conscious fact. It belongs to the experience of the man as well as to his preaching. It is that which transforms him into the image of his divine master, as well as that by which he declares the truths of Christ with power. It is so much the power in the ministry as to make all else seem feeble and vain without it, and by its presence to atone for the absence of all other and feebler forces. This unction is not an inalienable gift. It is a conditional gift, and its presence is perpetuated and increased by the same process by which it was at first secured, by unceasing prayer to God, by impassioned desires after God, by estimating it, by seeking it with tireless ardor, by deeming all else loss and failure without it. How and whence comes this unction? 
direct from God in answer to prayer. Praying hearts only are the hearts filled with this holy oil. Praying lips only are anointed with this divine unction. Prayer. Much prayer is the price of preaching unction. Prayer. Much prayer is the one sole condition of keeping this unction. Without unceasing prayer, the unction never comes to the preacher. Without perseverance in prayer, the unction, like the manna overkept, breeds worms. That was E.M. Bounds, portrayed by Mark Forrest. All right. During the sermon, he gave a few definitions or descriptions of this unction, and he ultimately explains how it comes from God and his word, right? Yes. He explains a number of things, but he does say that. Mm-hmm. And one thing that caught me was, it's not earnestness. Exactly. That one quote that stuck out was, earnestness is all man. Mm-hmm. There's very little of God in it. Horizontal. Um, what did you think of that? I believe it's easy to confuse them because you might want unction in your earnestness. And whether you have it or not, you're earn- we start to feel like the earnestness should win the day. So mm. I'll run with that. Mm. But the wrestling with prayer aspect, when, when you know that something is of the Lord, you know it in your knower. Mm-hmm. And there's something more to the outflow of that. The different ears to hear, eyes to see, heart to speak. Yeah. And he mentions that it connects the conscience and breaks the heart. There's a broken heart on our part. Oh, yeah. That earnestness cannot compete with. Right, right. I was thinking on the, along those lines, I was thinking, uh, sometimes we hear of these great theological terms. One way to know or to better recognize the, the, the true is what is the counterfeit? Yes. What is the enemy's way of saying like, oh, look over here. This is shiny and pretty, you know, like this will attract your this attention. This will do it. And, when he, and he started to talk about this earnestness or this... Um, this skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't want to say that he was entirely against that skill. I mean, if you can improve your skill as a presenter and an orator, you should. You should. <laughs> but we're so caught up in that. Right. That you could be completely missing the Holy Spirit. Tim, it's exactly like living our Christian faith walk. Mm-hmm. That if I we get to the place where I got to know what I got to do. And if I check the boxes, I'm good. Right. This is that. Right. And you're not. It isn't. It It is completely relational and filled with rather than do according to. Halfway in, he says, unction is the indefinable thing in preaching that makes it preaching. It's yes. kind of like you said that, that uh, can't quite put my finger on it thing where you're like, that was, that was definitely a word from the Lord and not just a, a pleasant speech. Yes. And I can't, what was the word he used when he was saying, you know, it's just a, a, a presentation or something. Well, it, there's a conditional response. And when something has been filled with the Lord, you can look across the congregation and see the Lord at work everywhere. Yeah. But, but what that would mean to me would be different than what it would mean to you because oh, sure. it's the Holy Spirit. Yes. Otherwise, everybody will nod and smile and agree that this was good here, here, and here. Again, with the checkboxes. Yeah. Like we were, if it was mere entertainment, mm-hmm. we were all equally entertained. Correct. But if it's, if the, if the, the Holy Spirit flowing through the words and actual preaching happening, we yes. are all moved, yes. but moved on different levels. And yeah. the broken heart is the measure. He says, I like when he said, unctionless preaching makes everything hard, dry, acrid, 
<laughs> dead man. Just a great. It's very punchy. Yeah, but that, I mean, it's true. So here, here was here's the uh, part of his final call and part of ours. How and from where comes this unction? And what was his answer? Do you remember? Has to be prayer. It has to be prayer, and not just a little. Not just pray about it. Pray for it. Pray with it. Pray on your knees. It is a wrestling. Remember, and until you've done that, it's no. Remember what I said earlier in the intro that a lot of his books and a lot of his sermons had to do with prayer, mm. which is surprising because when I first heard this sermon, I wasn't even thinking that because he gets to the he gets to the the tail end and he's like, so where does this unction come from? Yeah, prayer. And I and I'm hitting my head thinking, of course, oh, there I, it of is. Course, so that's where he would go. That's always his answer, but it usually is. The Back it up answer. and listen to the end of this again. That's it's right. Yeah. Now, what do you do? Here's a quick question before we close. What do you do if you think your pastor doesn't preach with unction? <laughs> Off the top of my head, you start by praying for him. Yeah. Because that is a parenting tool as well. Hmm. There's a place where you come to that you realize you've had your say. And the next step is close your mouth and keep it all in prayer. Yeah. And so much more happens then. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your ministers. Yeah. Keep doing that, going to God in prayer with these requests in all things and at all times, right? That's it. And it would be amazing if every preacher could preach with unction, and that is the way that it should be. We all want our preachers to be preaching with unction, and if they're not, you can't just throw this sermon in their face and no. say, how come you're not doing this? The no. most you can do is pray for them. Right. And the most is a lot. Yeah. We have power. Thank you again for listening to History's Greatest Sermons. An Unshackled production of Pacific Garden Mission. Produced and directed by Timothy Gregory. To hear more Unshackled content, you can download our app. Get it for free at any of the major app stores. For more information, visit unshackled.org. Join us next time as we experience another one of history's greatest sermons. <laughs>